Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL Podcast. I am at Williamson NFL. As we will be for the next couple Wednesdays, we are brought to you by Draft. It's an app or draft.com. I will tell you more about them later. They have a very cool service that I highly encourage you to check out. And like all all Wednesdays, we have Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus with us. Mike, what is shaking? How's it going, Matt? I'm doing great here. Good, good. Excited to be back on. Yeah, absolutely. We've had some good chats lately. And off the air, you had mentioned to me that you've been doing some work on a subject I think the listeners are going to love, is Kamara, who to me right this second, I don't know what you've done. So it, if the mm-hmm. if it ends right now, I think he's my offensive rookie of the year and on pace to kind of start to run away with that. And Kareem Hunt, who looked like he had that thing kind of wrapped up after Watson went down. But, you know, he's been non-existent from a stats perspective. Yeah, it's really an interesting sort of breakdown because their seasons have gone in sort of in opposite directions. You know, Green Hunt was all-world doing these, putting up these insane numbers no one had ever seen before in the first few weeks of the season, and then he cooled off. And now all of a sudden, Alvin Kamara over the last handful of weeks has just been uh, he's been untackable. Like the guy, yeah. the guy's numbers are seven yards per carry. He's averaging four yards after contact per carry. His his broken tackle rate is you know on a level we've really just never seen before for a running back. Getting you know he's not getting the bulk of the touches in New Orleans, but he's getting a fair amount. I think he has already 131 touches on the season. He's just he's doing things that we've never seen before in our stats collecting the decade or so that we've been doing this. So it's a really interesting conversation because. Like I said, Kamara's not getting the same touches as Hunt is, but his effectiveness is just off the charts. Let's talk Hunt to begin with. And, you know, I liked him coming out of Toledo. I mean, there's a lot to like. I like his balance. He runs hard. He's well-rounded. Doesn't fumble. Um, But even after that first month or five or six games, whatever, I said, this guy's not going to break off 60-yard runs every game. You know, he's just not that fast. I mean, that's not his game. So that portion of him coming back to earth isn't at all surprising to me. But I want to get some of your takes. And I also think that starting with that Steeler game, teams have kind of figured out the Chiefs offense. Yeah, I think that's more the biggest. So, yeah, the the, the long run thing is obvious. You're not going to no one breaks off 60 yards, you know, three straight games. Or, right. You know, no one does that every week of the season. The biggest thing has been the fact that they're not they're not converting those third down situations. They're not sustaining drives for him to keep getting touches to keep, because he, the thing is his missed tackle rate, his broken tackle rates have been almost identical now, you know, last four or five weeks as they were the first four or five weeks of the season, almost identical. So he's, he's still elusive. He's still getting the job done on his own when nothing's there, but offensive line hasn't been, they were banged up for a handful of games in the middle of that. And, you know, Cameron Irving's not opening the same holes as someone like Mitch Morris. They just weren't at nearly as good, there for a handful of games in the middle of the season. And then when you're not sustaining drives, he makes his money on you when he's, you know, getting six or seven carries in a drive and wearing you down. All of a sudden, when they can't commit to the run like that, his effectiveness just isn't nearly the same. So I think it's been a sort of, there's a handful of factors, but I, I still think he's incredibly talented. What he's doing right now, uh, from a broken tackle perspective, he's still, I believe, on pace to break our single season record. And he's still breaking a ton of tackles week in, week out. So they if they could just get that passing game going, I think that would be the biggest thing that could help him. Yeah, and, and just, you didn't say this, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth, but I'm in the, in the corner that, 
I don't think he quote has hit the rookie wall or anything like that. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, still playing well, but mm-hmm. I think Alex Smith's playing much worse. I think everyone's playing zone against these guys and not fooling for or not falling for the pre snap motion and misdirection and window dressing, and they're all kind of just holding their water. And the offense in general just hasn't been as good or close to as good. No, that, that to me is the biggest thing is, is that, like you said, no one's fooled. They did a lot of new stuff at the beginning of the year. It yeah. took a while yeah, for yeah. teams to adjust. And now all of a sudden, like uh, Travis Kelsey said, everyone's just playing, you know, cover two against them, begging Alex Smith to throw the ball, you know, fit it into some windows down the field that he's, he's never been comfortable fitting it into. And he's, he's, you know, Alex Smith reverted to the Alex Smith of old. Yes. And, Chiefs fans have been not my best friends over the last five years or so because I never say anything good about Smith. I mean, you don't think it's Mahomes' time, though, do you? I mean, to me, that's too drastic. For no, no it is that, that is drastic. Uh, at some point, though, if it's, you know, three more games like this, two or three more games yeah. like this, like the offense has looked, you're – I think it's you're not uh, – it's not crazy to say it's Mahomes' time because you're not going to win the Super Bowl if Alex Smith's playing like this. If teams right. are just going to shut you down like this offensively, uh, you're not going to win the Super Bowl with Alex Smith. So might as well, you know, shoot your shot so to speak, and go with the guy who, while he's an unknown, will actually start throwing the ball down the field. And I'm a huge Mahomes fan. He was actually my favorite quarterback in this draft for all the anti-Alex Smith reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way, uh, the Saints. <sighs> Camaro's been breaking off an unbelievable amount of big plays, and you said he's kind of breaking your guys' stats in, in a way. Is that sustainable? So obviously, it's I don't think it's sustainable. There's no way a guy's going to average you know four yards after contact per attempt. A, a lot of it is just the small sample size. A handful of big runs, a handful of big plays impact that a lot. Mm-hmm. But the crazy thing to me when I was you know just going through sort of the stats or in depth stuff is the fact that he's not really it's not really gimmicky the way he's right. uh, been using the running game. They're not, you know, they're not running him draws. They're not running him these reverses or fakes and pitch plays. He's running the exact same sort of concept profile that Mark Ingram is. He's, you know, he's not really being used as a change of pace back. He's just being used as another running back there in the backfield, and he's still putting up these big stats. So that's probably the most encouraging thing about Kamara. They use him a lot as a receiver. I believe over a third of his snaps have come, you know, split wide, split in the slot, but he's not really actually being used as a receiver that's probably the most gimmicky way he's is being used I, his average depth of target down the field is only about a yard so he's not actually seeing he's uh, not run, running right receiver yet. routes he's o- yeah he's only been uh, targeted on four passes all season long that were 10 plus yards downfield which i think that's the same number as cream hunt's had and cream hunt doesn't uh, doesn't go out of the backfield so uh He's really is being used sort of in a, gimmick, in a gimmicky role when he is as a wide receiver. It's a lot of screens, a lot of underneath stuff. They're not actually running him a full route tree, like you said. So, but still, that's the Saints' offense. So to some degree, it's, you don't right. need to run a full route tree. They run a ton of underneath stuff, a ton of screens, and in that role, man, he's he's about as good as it gets. He's what a lot of people thought Christian McCaffrey would be. Yeah, you said a lot of good things there about Kamara and matching what you said from what I've seen. And some takeaways I would say are maybe as a receiver, the best is yet to come. I mean, he catches the ball well. He moves very, very well. I would think as a route runner, as a downfield route runner, maybe we can expect more and more as he matures. And as a runner, it's not like 
Ingram's doing the dirty work, or he's beating him up, and then he comes in as a change of pace. You know, he's a quality, you know, running back in any system, really. Yeah, that's that to me was the biggest thing that is why I don't think he's a fluke. Why I don't think mm-hmm. this is you know Deion Lewis two point or you know even like uh, Andre Ellington two I think he's if he was put in a full time role like a Kareem Hunt, he'd be producing like a Kareem Hunt or even better. Is because he's you know he's not running like they do some pitch plays and get him out wide, get him into space t- sort of stuff, but they run that you know duo scheme again and again with him where he's running against full boxes and he's still breaking tackles. He's still getting himself into space. So I uh, really like his vision and I- I'm not sure he could profile to a ton of carries. He's a little slighter, but mm-hmm. he's not so slight that I'd be worried about him. I like Mark Ingram's contract goes up a little bit next year. I wouldn't be surprised if they cut him for cap reasons and just let Kamara take over, even though Saints really never have been a team with one feature back ever under, that- under Sean Payton. True. And it doesn't seem to get talked about, but I do think that Saints offensive line is in contention for best in the league right now. Oh, yeah, for sure. That, and that always is going to help. Sure. Uh, but what they did with drafting Ryan Ramchick on the right side, he's been seamlessly replaced. Uh, Zach Streif, when he went down, he's been one of the best rookie offense tackles in the league. And then the interior, adding Larry Warford, uh, Max Unger over the years. So that's a that's one of the best O-lines in the NFL. I, I wouldn't probably call them the best at this point, but that's top five easily. Yeah, I agree. And the left tackle's a great player. He's going to stay on the field. Oh, Ron. Yeah, he's yeah. unbelievable. He's a freak, yeah. So to sum this one up, and if you don't have an answer, fine. Who's the better player right now, Hunt or Kamara? Who would you rather have going forward? So I said, I will say that what, to me, what Kareem Hunt is doing the fact that he's doing it on, you know, 15 plus carries every single game is probably more impressive to me just because it, it is like it's difficult to do. You just don't see rookies produce at the level he has uh, with getting the amount of carries he has. So that to me is probably more impressive. If I had to pick one on my team, though, I'm taking Alvin Kamara just because it, I don't I don't really want uh, like as mu- as great as he has been as a Belka. I don't want a run heavy team. I want a weapon on offense. Mm-hmm. I don't want this you know guy I have to feed to be productive. So if I'm just building a team, I want the guy who's the Swiss Army knife who can do it all out of the backfield rather than a guy I ha- you know that's just pound him twenty times a game and he'll be productive. I just don't think that's the NFL today. You want the Kamars of the world. You want the mismatch. You want the weapon. Mm-hmm. Split him out wide. You know all those things that he is going to bring to the table. Um, I had mentioned to start the show that we have a new partnership with Draft, and you can get there, you can go check the App Store and get the Draft app, or go to Draft.com, and in a nutshell, what it is, is it's a combination of your fantasy drafts that, you, that you've done with your buddies, what, like, like 13 weeks ago, as well as daily fantasy, and here's basically what it is, I mean, when you, when you get to pick your team, one of the best days of the year all my buddies and i get together and we party it up and we pick our teams and the draft itself might be the most fun thing of the entire fantasy season you know you drafted david johnson first overall he gets hurt and your team's already ruined well this one at draft what you do is every week you do a new snake draft it's unbelievable so fantasy football fans listen up it's not too late to join the half a million people that have already downloaded draft this season you get to play a real live snake draft, like I said, but you're done in under five minutes. It's super quick. It's not the, the, the massive 
commitment that the, the was you know for your fantasy leagues. You're done in under five minutes, and they last for just one week. You can join right now for a week. And sir, you, you can join right, one right now for this week already, including the Thursday night game. The best part, play for cold, hard cash, and get get this, your chances of winning are 80% better than on the salary cap sites. All new players get a free entry into the real money draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use our promo code, L-O-N-F-L. That's right, play a real money game for free just by using the promo code L-O-N-F-L, and a four-person draft, you'll get three bucks off by using that promo code. So play a real money game for just using the promo code L-O-N-F-L, and it gets even better. Draft so draft is so sure that you'll love it that they're even offering a handful of listeners a money-back guarantee. So just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play free right now with our promo code L-O-N-F-L. It's something you got to do. So, Mike. This Vikings team is really interesting. You know, that great defense, well-coached. Somehow there was a quarterback controversy a couple weeks ago. I think that's done. I hope that's done. I'm blown away with how well Case Keenum's playing. I am too. It really is probably one of the biggest surprises of this NFL season just in terms of who he was for so long in his career. And it was, it was a guy who took shots down the field, but was also incredibly risky with the football a guy who would miss right. a lot of opportunities underneath just wasn't necessarily accurate uh, in the short and intermediate range. And he's just improved, you know, night and day in so many different areas that uh, some of it, you know, credit to that credit to, you know, the office game planning there, credit to the wide receiver core, but a lot of it's on him still. Like he's playing the best football of his life that, behind an offensive line that's you know, much improved from a season ago, but you just look at that offense on paper before the season, you would not say it's going to be performing nearly at the level it is right now. And a lot of credit has to go to Case Keenum for that. And they lost Cook. I mean, I really thought Cook yeah. was, was and still will be a very high-end running back, and you would think that would cripple an offense like that, and it hasn't at all. Um, one note about the line, and this is something I said about last year, was I thought t- people were – very critical of Bradford, and there's a lot of people just aren't Bradford fans, but complaining that everything he throws is one or two yards downfield. And more so than any offense in the league in 2016, I thought their awful, awful offensive line just crippled the whole team. You know, there was zero running game. They couldn't protect it all. So, yeah, it's not a great line, but at least it doesn't stink. That's a, that's a great right. way to put it. At least it doesn't. It is crazy how much people sort of underestimate going from awful. How big a difference going from just truly awful to averages. Right. And I think that's what they went from, especially at left tackle, going from T.J. Clemmings, who was the worst left tackle in the NFL a season ago. The pressure he was when he got beaten, like you didn't get beaten every single snap, but the snaps he did get beaten, it was immediate. And when you get immediate pressure, that's the play is done. Like you. You're Sam Bradford. That's why he checked down so much because he was either going to get killed or he's going to have to check down because the pressure was in his face at the snap. So going from that to just average and Riley Reef, and he's been he's been just average. And there's nothing wrong with that. That gets paid a lot of money in the NFL, especially at left tackle. That was a huge leap for them. And now all of a sudden you could start running your offense when Riley Reef does get beaten. It's a you know it's a split second slower than it was a season sure. ago, and that is giving Case Keenum time to get 
you know, throws off that they weren't going to get off a season ago, and that's just been huge for them. All right, to get back to the Vikings kind of from an overall perspective. Well, first of all, I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Adam Thielen, is he really a top 10 wide receiver in this league? Yes. Yeah. Okay, top I mean, 10's tough. Right, uh, and there's a lot of good ones. Because it's like, yeah, because there's so many names now that have just, so many guys that are, you know, freaks of nature. Uh, I'm not sure he's necessarily a freak of nature, but he's got all the skills you want besides maybe the top-tier athleticism of a, you know, a top-tier wide receiver. I'd put him in the, definitely in the top 15. Uh, just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, uh, you know, trying to think of the 10 guys I'd take above him. He might be top 10. He really is incredibly gifted as a route runner. And I think his biggest thing is he tracks the ball down the field about as good as any receiver in the NFL. When he when there's a jump ball sort of situation, it's not really a jump ball situation because he's getting himself into the better spot than the DB is, and he's tracking it better than the DB. He's getting his hands to that ball, uh, and the DB is not going to be – you know, it's not really a dangerous throw when you're throwing it his way down the field. Just to stay in the division, would you take Thielen over Jordy or Devontae Adams? Yes. Oh, 100%. Agreed. Over Jones and Tate? Yes, same. Over Diggs? Yeah, I'd take him over Diggs as well. Really? Just because you I trust would. him more? I just I think as a downfield pass guy, I, I think he's more talented in that regard. Diggs is probably a little more uh, explosive in terms of, you know, he has he's more, more speed, yeah. uh, a little after the catch. But I, I just think Thielen, uh, what he can do from a body control perspective is just rare. Yeah, I really am impressed with how Adams has played this year, especially with Hundley. But I don't think it's close that he's mm-hmm. better than anyone else in the division, except for maybe his teammate. And that's a nice advantage for Keenum. Um, another note on Keenum, I wrote, I just wrote something about him two weeks or so ago that I hadn't really realized, but when you watch the tape, it shows up. And it goes back to their offensive line. He's throwing the ball away, and he's not causing a lot of – he's not turning the ball over. But he's also not taking sacks. And yes. it's almost like the conversation with the O-line is – Okay, maybe that wasn't a positive play, but it wasn't a negative play. Yeah, I would ask the one thing I was going to get to okay. that has, to me, been the most impressive thing about Case Keenum. The biggest change uh, year over year. He has the lowest pressure to sack conversion rate in the NFL. Oh, does he really? Is, I didn't realize it was. That's, that's, that's just so, that does so much for an offense. That's, you know, that's the whole arguments against you know Colin Kaepernick was he was consistently on the opposite end of the spectrum converting pressure to sacks just kills drives again and again sacks kill drives if you have a guy like Case Keenum who's just unwilling to take those negative plays all of a sudden you're always in these favorable down and distances you're never behind the chains and that just that does so much to an offense that is sort of goes under the radar because you don't really you don't really think about it too much uh, if you're not uh, if you're just looking at you know raw yardage stats because those you know the sacks don't show up in that, uh, but it, it's been so big for that offense the fact that he's just unwilling to you know take those negative plays. And obviously it's a team game, but I assume you'd look at those stats as a quarterback-driven stat. Like I would imagine Peyton Manning was yes. amazing at it. Yeah. So in small sample sizes, you know, over a few games, it can be driven by how quick the pressure came, you know, what you were seeing. But a lot, yeah, like you said, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Kirk Cousins, guys who are always excellent in pressure to conversion to sack conversion rates, because that is you, you have control over that. Guys like Russell Wilson, uh, Colin Kaepernick, uh, even Aaron Rodgers are higher on the pressure to sack conversion rates than uh, other guys. Okay, 
Uh, two big picture Vikings questions for you, and then we will finish this up. How do you think they stack up against a very good NFC? I mean, are they at the top? Are they second? Are they third? You know, they could end up with home field advantage and be a two seed. The, the Eagles have a t- some tough games coming up. Maybe they flounder. What kind of true contender do you think the Vikes are? Can they win it all? I think they could definitely win it all. It's all it takes is if they can, you know, get to that home field advantage. They uh, they have to love seeing uh, the Saints go down uh, this past week yes. because that, that's big for them. Just if think about just going to sec- New Orleans versus going to Minnesota. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. if they can just secure a home field, at least one home field game. I think they could definitely get to the Super Bowl. And win it all is, and they have the talent defensively to you know win it all I think so it, all it takes is three games at that point I do think they could but I think they are still fully healthy everyone in the NFC I think they are the third best team I think the Saints are better okay. uh, especially with you know if Lattimore and Crowley are healthy and I think the Eagles are probably the class of I'd say maybe even the NFL right now just the way they've uh, been operating offensively and defensively Rams, Panthers, Falcons, you don't think are there? I'd go just a small step below. I'd probably go Rams and Falcons uh, are just a half step below the Vikings at this point. Okay. And it's way too early to talk offseason, but this is one of the most interesting teams in the league for me for what they're going to do after the year. And here's what I'm thinking is they put a lot of effort into their offensive line already. They have Cook coming back. They have receivers. Rudolph isn't going anywhere. All three of their quarterbacks are free agents. You know, Bridgewater, <laughs> Bradford, and Keenum. That's bizarre. But the defense should lose basically nothing. And, you know, maybe you draft a defensive tackle. Maybe you draft an offensive lineman. Like, what would your offseason approach be for the team overall to stay highly competitive? Because their needs are minimal. I mean, maybe less than any team in the league without the quarterback situation. And how do you handle the quarterback? Yeah, the quarterback situation is difficult. Uh, and obviously, I think if fully healthy, I would still lean towards re-signing Sam Bradford. I, I do think he was looking like he was going to put up a big year behind with the talent they had offensively with an actual offensive line. I think he still would give them the best chance to win. Uh, and I think a lot of people would be sort of unwilling to touch him uh, based on his injury history and that sort of stuff. I do think that's probably the guy I'd go with. I would have a backup plan like they did this year with Case Keenum. I would, you know, sign two quarterbacks probably this offseason. And then I'd keep adding to that defense. I think mm-hmm. along that defensive line, if you add a fourth, you know, a fourth pass rusher there, an interior guy, uh, you all of a sudden, that turns that defensive line into very good defensive line to, you know, 2015 Broncos. If they can get a guy like that, uh, wherever they'll be picking probably late in the first round. So, a I, I Sharif think, Floyd replacement. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, if Sharif was healthy, that would be terrifying. But, yeah, some something like that, a three-tech to add uh, to that front four. Yeah, I 100% agree. And it's funny because Bradford's out of sight, out of mind, but I'm the biggest Bradford apologist you'll find. I really think he <laughs> is borderline great, but he – I don't know if his body can do it. You know, and – it, you're not going to convince Case Keenum to come back as the backup plan again. It's going to have to be a Glennon or something like that, or mm-hmm. second round pick, or you know. But of the three quarterbacks, the one I think can be great is Bradford. Yeah, I, I agree, and that's like the hardest thing though is you have this team ready to win now. Right, you have a quarterback in Bradford who could win with it, 
you also have a quarterback in Bradford who has just can't stay healthy, has missed so many seasons. And, and he'd have a good offensive line. He'd have a competent offensive line mm-hmm. at least. But it's like all it takes is one shot, and all of a sudden your season's toast if it is Bradford. So that is the, the multi-million dollar question they'll have to face. Yeah, and that's what makes me think maybe the right move is bring Keenum back at a $8 million, $10 million, something like that, and then use a high pick. Yeah, or even, I don't know if, I'm not a Teddy who's touching guy. Teddy also. I, I, I'm not a Teddy guy either, but I don't know who's touching him after that knee injury either. I might be able to get him back cheap as well. Yeah, maybe you can get two of the three back and yeah. let him compete. And but I don't know. It, it'll be interesting, though. Mike, you're the man. This was fun. We will do it next Wednesday. Um, over and out, man. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Matt. Have a good one. Absolutely.